0: For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost? In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Please be seated. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said that when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. I often think the same could be said about marriage. Emily and I, we've been married for seven years now, and I was so excited to marry Emily because I just knew she would make me happy. Now, that has turned out to be true, just not in the way that I first imagined. You know, as it turns out, not everything I naturally think, want, do, and say is the greatest thing of all time. (laughs) I was not aware of this. You know the saying, love means never having to say you're sorry? Well, it took me like eight seconds of being married to realize that is not true. I had to apologize during the first dance during our wedding reception. We had paid for these expensive lessons. I learned the box step. I forgot the box part of the equation and I just did the step. (laughs) With everyone watching, I stepped us both right off that dance floor. It was like I was Zoolander, I couldn't turn left. We danced to Etta James's song, At Last, which was appropriate because that's how we both felt when the song was over. <laughs> but I learned early on that the point of marriage was not to affirm me, to bolster me, to enhance me. And I still remember the day it dawned on me that everything that used to make me happy as a single man, my time, my money, my autonomy... That Emily did not marry me to give me more of that stuff. (laughs) That she actually married me to take it all away. (sighs) But it's been the most beautiful experience of my life, because in doing so, Emily has given me something far more better than anything I used to possess, and that is herself. You see, the resurrection is always what makes the death worthwhile. In today's gospel, Jesus says something that we so badly want to ignore, which is that we cannot be his disciple unless we give up all of our possessions. And we just recoil at these words because we have lost perspective. We forget that we are Christ's bride and that God has a lot of work to do in our lives before the big wedding. That God's desire isn't just to affirm us, to bolster us, to enhance us, but to take away some of our attachments, those things we assume we need to be happy. And in doing so, to prepare us for a much greater and different form of happiness. And here's the thing, that might sound really nice, but living it out, being open to whatever it is that Jesus wants to do in our life, that is really hard. Because the truth is, we love to bargain. As I've said before, we all have an inner lawyer, meaning we tend to bring God a contract, and we say, if only subconsciously, God, this is what I can give, this is what I cannot give, but for what I can give, Here's what I need from you in return. I need my own personal version of happiness. And in today's gospel, Jesus is really clear. That is not what he came to offer. In fact, I'm really struck by the image Jesus chooses to work with in today's gospel. He talks about a tower. Because in Genesis chapter 11, we have this great story about how the human race decides to build a tower in an effort to make a name for ourselves. It's called the Tower of Babel. But my point is that in the Bible, a tower isn't just a tower. That a tower is a symbol, a symbol for that desire we all carry within us to build our own city, to make our own name to find our own personal version of happiness apart from the God who created us and knows us inside and out. And as the story goes in Genesis chapter 11, so it goes with our experience and the actual life we live. We build the tower, and in time it always gets knocked down. And so whenever Jesus asks the question for which of you intending to build a tower doesn't first sit down and estimate the cost of this project, I think Jesus is being provocative and that he's intentionally referencing the Tower of Babel. Because Jesus knows the human heart inside and out, and he knows that the root of sin is this desire we all have to build our own personal power of happiness without respect to how our actions impact other people. Now, granted, we all build with different stones. Some of us build with power. Others build with money, respect, intelligence, success, being liked, our independence, the list goes on. But as human beings, this is something we all do. We build a tower to affirm us, to bolster us, to enhance us. In other words, we try to make a name for ourselves apart from this God who has already named us and who wants nothing more than to marry us. And in today's gospel, Jesus is very clear. He will have no part in it that he's not the kind of lord who wants to sign on our dotted line or to put it a little bit differently that god has no real interest in doing mediation and finding a common ground and so i'm going to be really really honest with you today i want to tell you what i find to be very scary about jesus in my own faith it's not that he doesn't care What scares me tremendously is how much Jesus does care. And because Jesus does care, whenever God's plans for me are at odds with my plans for me, Jesus' work in my life isn't to do a patch job on the shack I like to call my life, but rather to tear that shack down and to build a mansion where he and his father can dwell for all of eternity. Because here's the thing, Jesus didn't die on a cross and rise from the dead primarily to make us happy. Jesus did that to set us free. And for me, freedom begins with a healthy acknowledgement that the life we often cling to and fight for and protect that life has already drowned in the waters of baptism and we have a new life a resurrected life hidden with christ in god as paul says in colossians a life that even now is just waiting to be discovered and embodied you see it's not only that jesus wants to give us himself jesus also wants to give us our self our true self he wants to show us who we really are, what we really want, and what true happiness really is. And so with that said, I want to end with two concluding thoughts, being very aware that this was a troubling passage that was proclaimed today. First, I want to go on record. Jesus does not want you to hate your family. I'm going to spare you the extended biblical exegesis and my vast knowledge of ancient Aramaic pedagogy, but whenever Jesus says, hate your family, as he did in today's gospel, this is essentially a warning to not make the people in our family just another one of our stones, people whose sole purpose is to support our personal happiness project. You know, Jesus' family, they tried to do this to him. In Mark chapter 3, they hear that Jesus is preaching these crazy things, and they go trying to bring Jesus back home, not because they love him, but because they are embarrassed by what he is doing. Jesus is a very uncooperative stone in their family system. And so whenever there is someone in our family that we're constantly frustrated with, or angry at or disappointed in, this is a very good sign that we need them to be a certain way for our tower to grow. And when that's the case, we are not loving our family. We are using our family. And so my prayer for St. Michael's is that we would be a church where we all learn to love our family by placing Jesus in the kingdom of God ahead of our family. And second, Jesus says that we cannot be his disciple unless we give up all of our possessions. I want you to consider that what Jesus says here is descriptive and not prescriptive. You can keep your home and still be a disciple of Jesus, I intend to keep mine. But I also know the truth in Jesus' words. Each one of us will give up all of our possessions, voluntarily or when we die. Like we say on Ash Wednesday, it is all dust, and to dust it shall return. Every possession will be handed over, and that is just a fact of human existence. And you know what? That would be really, really tragic and depressing If we didn't believe that the Lord of the universe gave up all that he possessed, that he emptied himself and died on a cross to save us from our sins, but, you know, we do believe that. We do believe that. And so, don't think of St. Michael's as a place to come work on your religion stone or your Bible stone or your virtue stone as a place that's gonna support whatever tower it is that you're building. But think of this church, participate in this church as a place where together we can learn to lay down our life for the Lord who has already laid down his life for us and as a place where we can learn to hold those stones we build with just a little bit more lightly. And if all that sounds a little weird or scary or confusing, trust me, I get it. The gospel is not always the good news that we want. But thank God, because it is always infinitely better than we could have imagined. We're stripped of our little toys, and we're given true riches. And so my hope is that you'll stay with this faith business, because in time, you're going to discover what I consider to be the most beautiful experience in a human life, which is that the resurrection always, always makes the death worthwhile. Amen. 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 Amen.